0: Back to Fresh New Shorts, new short stories from award-winning writers. Today's story is Buoyancy by John Blackmore. You can find it in A Physicist Guide to Love, Another Natural Phenomena, available on Amazon. Buoyancy places us in a modern-day France that overlaps with a fairy tale. A boy and his abandoned mother befriend a young woman living alone on a sprawling estate the sole survivor of a family boating accident, she seems to have made a terrible exchange to survive days of floating out at sea. Buoyancy. Once, the time, I was 15. We moved to a town off the Paris-Bordeaux TGV line. This was our life. My father's company shifted us about like wooden checkers. Though we moved because of my father, He typically left the picture frame of his small family, just wife and son, once transported. The factory was always elsewhere. The supplier in another town. The valued client required him on premise. Due to this, my mother and I became an unnaturally connected pair. The wandering was terribly difficult for her. Something I understood as her companion from an early age. I saw it in her swings from confidence to worry, in the tremble of her lip or lapsed stammer when directing a housekeeper who spoke yet another language we didn't know. We had lived all over the world, and my mother didn't fit in anywhere, though she tried endlessly. So it was five women of Poitou-Charentes sat in our salon shortly after arrival in the French town. We often began our times in foreign places with such social gatherings. The women were from a church group, bringing water to Africa. Conversation soon tired of wells and pumps and moved on to local residents. In particular, a young woman who lived in a rambling stone house not far from us. She is a story tragique, said a woman with fiery red lips. As a child, her family was boating on the Black Sea. They were from a Balkan country. The father had some title. She paused to light a cigarette. There was a problem with the boat. The father piloted within sight of shore but winds or tides or... She fluttered her hand to indicate unexplained events. Blew the boat away. Nobody knows exactly what happened, but the boat capsized. Into the water went the father, the mother, a young son, and this woman, then a girl. Everyone drowned, except her. The rescue, another prompted. It was three days before they found her. Three days! She held up fingers to count. She held them there for us to see. Can you imagine? The little girl was burnt to cinders with exposure. But... This was the thing, the strange thing. The rescuers said she was found floating on top of the water. She was wearing a life jacket, my mother said. The red-lipped woman shook her hand at my mother in the French fashion. No, 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 no. No preserver, no device. Her father, mother, brother sink like stones, but this little girl floats on top of the water like a cork. She held her cigarette suspended in air. Three days like that. Well, you can imagine, another woman said. The local peoples, as you know that part of Europe, they called her a witch. She crossed herself. Only a witch girl could float like that, the red-lipped woman concluded. The family sinking, but she, like a dark miracle, there, there, on top of the water that night my mother's shadow fell across my door and slipped into my bed we must visit this girl she said her fingers played with my hair her voice had the excited tinny lilt that i knew well and which made me uneasy oh we must at first we both made the visits my mother's bright sheen carrying through for a dozen days we saw the witch girl her name was dacha every day bringing flowers and vegetables from our garden, wine and baking from the New York market. Dacia's stone house lurked amidst a fairy tale property, a castle on the edge of being lost to the forest. I wonder what Dacia thought of my mother and me. She was pleasant, though quiet, mostly listening to my mother's stream of sunny chatter. Until the inevitable day, my mother just sat in Dacia's garden Distracted, eyes black-circled, glazed. My mother would launch sentences like paper airplanes that didn't have the lift to clear the conversation, drifting off in aimless directions. Her metal had brittled and gloomed. She stopped getting dressed and stayed in her bed. Go on your own, she said some days later. The blinds were down a staleness of lilies in her room. You like her more than me. There was truth to that. I did like Dacha. She was beautiful. Her hair was burgundy-brown, long and wild, barely tied back in branches. Her skin was rough, a dark color like Chinese lacquerware. She had the thin, hard body of a boy. Only her eyes betrayed her origin, an ethereal blue like arctic ice. On my second visit without my mother, I kissed her. Her lips were stiff at first, but softened. She touched them, wetting her finger over her mouth. She leaned towards me, and we kissed again. That night I had a dream of Dacha, so real it woke me. I thought at first it was my mother who had called me. I went to her room, but she was asleep on top of her bed like a glowing white sphinx. I knew she had drunk a bottle of wine that evening. I covered her with a blanket, hesitated, but then dressed quickly. I took my bike to Dacha's house. The darkness was heavy beneath the tree canopy, but light trickled through at the edge of her property where she had a pool. Dacha lay on the water like a lily pad. Float with me, she said. I don't swim, I said. You don't have to swim. Just float. I'll sit here. I rolled up my pants and dangled my feet in the water. Her body slowly drifted towards me. There is a trick to the way you breathe, she said to me as I watched her. We stayed there like that for perhaps an hour, me half in the water, her above it. There didn't seem to be any need to talk. Her hand reached out for my leg. I returned to Dodge's house each night at midnight for the next two weeks. In the evenings, I coaxed my mother downstairs from her bed or gave in and sat with her in her room. I combed her hair. I bathed her. We played backgammon. I kept her wine glass filled. When she was asleep, I slipped away. Dacha never forced me into the water, but would drift towards me on the sides of her pool. She was a relief for me, a person for which I had no responsibility, a person who had no need. We talked, or we didn't. Sometimes I drank wine until my head became spinny, sometimes not. She told me stories her stories often came back to her time on the sea her father drowned the first day she told me it was in the tumult of the boat capsizing she discovered her talent for floating she'd had no idea like me she said she didn't even know that she could swim once the panic subsided from watching the boat founder and then upend and sink beneath the surface, she lay on top of the sea. She could hear them all distantly, like the way you hear the ocean in a shell. She heard her father's labored breathing and splashes and then nothing. Her mother came to her in sobs that rose and fell like swells. She was struggling to hold Dodge's brother. Dacha told her to give the boy to her, but her mother wouldn't listen and fought with the water. During the first night, moonless and overwhelmed by stars, her mother capitulated. She pushed the boy on Dacha's body. Save your brother, she said. Her mother drowned before morning. The blue gull came on the second day. Dacha was struggling to keep her brother afloat when the bird winked out of the empty sky. It promised her she could float. She could float forever if she truly wished. "I do," she said. "I really do." Then, as the gull flew away, she felt her flesh stiffen in the sun, and she began to float higher and more easily. Her brother held on to her like a raft. It rained the second night, and water pooled in her belly like a wooden saucer. He drank from her and carried mouthfuls to her lips. At dawn the sun rose out of the sea, a third day of endless sun. He held on to her and she held his arm, each of them taking turns of not sleeping. She must have slipped into a dream, and her grip relented. At some point... She didn't know when, he slipped away. When she awoke, he was gone. She was alone on the sea now, perhaps just hours before they found her. I told her it felt like I was drowning when my mother, alone and needful, came to me at night. Once it was warm and comforting, now I felt her body's weight pushing me under even when I was alone. Dacha understood. Sometimes she believed she was still at sea, and this was the dream, that really she was still out there, floating, her drowned family dangling beneath her. It was a dozen days of nightly escapes. Then, one night returning to my room, I pulled down my bed and saw streaks of red on the sheets. I ran to my mother's room and threw off her covers she was huddled in a ball but wouldn't look at me i came to your bed she said i grabbed her arms and held them up but just saw the old scars we're leaving she said we're leaving your father i felt she was making plans up on the spot she started to cry hold me she said i still held her wrists hold me she repeated i was still searching her for the source of blood But then I saw it, her hair. There were stains on her shoulders and pillow. She had dyed her hair with henna. I released her arms, and she pulled them free to fold herself inward and cover her head as if embarrassed of what I saw. She rocked and shivered in the night air, her skin a startling white against the dark burgundy of her hair. Defiantly, I told Dacia I'd stay with her, no she told me the townspeople would march on her house for stealing the american boy she stroked my head i told her she had no say in the matter but she wouldn't talk about it she told me to care for my mother but come back in three nights on that third night i rode my bicycle to Dotcha's estate after supper the trees marking the path to her house Trees all over her property were strung with lights. It was the most beautiful fairyland. She was waiting for me at her front door and led me upstairs. The marble stairs were cool on her bare feet. Her bedroom opened out onto a view of her great magical forest. She sat on her bed and slipped her red dress over her stiff brushed hair. She took my hand and guided it all over her body. Her hairless skin was thick, rough rind like bark. On that third day, after I awoke and discovered my brother had drowned, I tried to sink too, but I couldn't. I rolled over from my back with my face staring down through the mile of sea to where they were on the bottom. I tried to inhale the water, but I couldn't overcome the reflex to cough. I tried and tried and tried, but I couldn't drown. And although I tried and tried, I couldn't not float. If anything, I lay on top of the water even higher as if it were just a thin sheet, the thickness of paper. The blue gull had granted my wish. She reached over to her bedside table and brought out a penknife. She held the silver blade against her leg. I reached for it, but she blocked me. She was strangely strong. She pushed the knife point into herself, above her knee, and then slowly sliced all the way up along the inside of her thigh. There is no blood, see? She reached out for my hand and ran my fingers along the slit. I didn't know it then, but... The blue gull exchanged my skin for wood. I was the girl who became the marionette. She picked up the blade and offered it to me. I, I want you to write your name on me like lovers do. I backed away. You must, you must write your name, she insisted. Calmly, she lay back on her bed the same way she lay out on the water, She pointed to the area of her knot-like breasts. She waited for me. Give me your name so I will be able to see you again, she said. "I, I will tell you that I refused and protested over and over again, but she knew that she would win. She didn't wince or blink or cry as I made the most shallow of cuts to carve my name in her skin. The letters of my name shed no blood. Once I was done, she took the knife and put it away. And then she put me on the bed and lay over top of me. And we made love for the first time. Her coarse skin left me scratched and ragged with tiny cuts as if I had rolled through sedge grass. Naked, we walked down her cold marble steps and through the fairy garden to her pool. She told me I would now be able to float, and she told me to close my eyes. She held my hand and led me into the water and instructed me to lie on my back. It was like I was lying on a mattress. The water held me like nothing had ever held me before. My mother and I left Europe, moving back to a small town north of Boston. I vowed to leave her at 16, then 18, and then later, but I always returned. She joined new charities and service clubs, and we never did or spoke of things like France again. Though my mother stopped coming to my room, Dacha returned in vivid dreams that were difficult to tell from waking. If I began to date a girl, Dacha came more often, and my dreams of her woke me. After a week like this I would be exhausted. Then, if I continued to see the other girl my dreams of dacha turned to nightmares and terrors until I ended the relationships. I returned to Poitou-Charente some six years after we had left. I had graduated with my degree and accepted a summer placement with the particle lab in Switzerland. Fire had raised Dutch's property. The damaged stone house was abandoned. Her pool was a tannin-stained swamp of rotting leaves. Her forest blackened stumps, except one tree. I felt compelled to check it for my name, but stopped short, feeling silly. The burnt trees watched me as I walked through the bleakness. I pegged my anxiousness to the silence it must have been that way for her, floating out in the middle of the Black Sea. I cupped an ear to listen. There was no sound, nothing, such utter silence. Not even birds sang. We hope you enjoyed today's story from Fresh New Shorts. Rate us five stars and leave a comment wherever you get your podcasts. The ebook, A Physicist Guide to Love by John Blackmore is available on Amazon. Come back and listen to us again.